you can't do a good job if your job is all you do. If you are somebody who has no work-life balance or no balance in life, you need to listen to my next guest. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. My guest today is Maria Hago from Little Miss Wellness, and she is the founder of this company and she deals with wellness in the workplace and with individuals. Hello, Maria, and welcome to Unapologetically KK. Good morning and thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. We did leave it last time that there were a lot more conversations that we'd like to have. So I really appreciate you coming back and talking to us about health and wellness. And and this time we're talking about the work-life balance. So my first question to you is, what is work-life balance? Well, I think it means different things to different people. But um, from my perspective within Little Miss Wellness, we look at the balance of all areas of our lives, which includes our physical state, um, our mental and our emotional state, our social interactions, our financial well-being and health, um, our connection to our professions, our connection to the environment, um, and so it sort of looks at the all-encompassing areas of what it takes to be thriving as a human being. Um, I think in, in some ways um, people look at work as very separate from life. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the things that I hope in the future most people can get closer to um, actually merging what they think life is with right. what their work is. Yeah, because you have this this idea with people where you, you see a very small percentage of people who love what they do. Yes. You know, and then you see all of these motivational quotes that say that if you work, you know, with passion and if you do something that you love, then it's not going to be work. Right. And you see that in some very kind of high profile, I guess, jobs where you're looking at entertainment or you're looking at, you know, politics, people really have to put an immense level of effort to get Mm. to that level. And they love what they do. It's that drive, that passion that they can't be thinking of doing anything else. And this is, this is what they were meant to do. But there is a huge section of the workforce that hates going into work every morning, that waits for the weekend, that says, oh my God, another day. Oh my God, it's a Monday. Oh my God, another week. So what really is going on there? Well, I think there's a disconnect between the purpose of human life within us Mm -hmm. and what we're actually contributing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there are lots that the people that feel disconnected from their work are never going to find the passion in their work. Yeah. So I'm not saying that everybody should, you know, resign tomorrow and go and meditate for a few weeks to find out what their purpose is. But Maybe, <laughs> maybe that is, you know, that that is the way to kind of find and align with what it is that makes you tick. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be so drastic because obviously I understand that we are working in the system. You know, everybody's got bills to pay and we've got, you know, if you if you pull the plug on that, obviously there are some Uh, short-term disastrous results potentially to not having an income and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So I'm not suggesting that people, you know, take those kind of measures. But I do think that 
even within um, you know, the work that most of us are, or a lot of people are doing, um, there are things that can be aligned with, you know, what it is that makes us feel good or what it is that makes us thrive right. that are also financially rewarding and that are, that are also within our reach. Yes. Because I think that the, a lot of people who are stuck in these, mm. what, what you may call dead end jobs, where they literally just do it because they need to pay bills and they, they feel like they're stuck and they have no other choice. Um, either I, I feel like a few of the people that I have spoken to, either they don't know that you know, what their passion is. Yeah. So they've just taken the first job that pays them well enough for them to support themselves, support their family and have the lifestyle that they want. And so they feel that the end justifies the means. Mm. Uh, but if they do have a passion, they kind of take it up as a hobby, but they feel like that hobby is not enough for them to, to sustain them financially. Mm. So when you're taking up a job that you know you have absolutely no interest in what what would you expect from that other than the money that you're getting at the end of the it's it's kind of like a transaction right. you're putting in the effort you're getting the money and then you take that money and then there is a point where i'm sure people are excited when they're unemployed to get that job sure but there is some at some point once they have that job that it sets in to say i hate this mm. and then there is another point that says but I can't quit. Right. So how does that make you feel to be that stuck? Surely you can't be productive. Surely. I mean, I, that transaction between your employer knowing you hate the job and you're not being as productive, mm. you knowing you hate the job and you're not so productive, but you still do it and you the employer still continues to employ you. Right. So what is that, 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 combination. I mean, it, it can't be producing any kind of positive right. results. And I actually think that um, organizations need to, to sort of revisit how they um, look at their employees in the, in the sense of, you know, we hire somebody, you know, out of university or out of another job, you know, that has the skills um, that we that we think we're looking for for this job, or that appears to have the, the skills, but maybe not the passion, but mm -hmm. the skills. We put put them in that job, and then they sort of keep working in that job for years to come, and they're doing quite well. But um, obviously, it's not their passion, mm. so they're not thriving, they're not excelling, they're not. They're just they're they're doing all right. But we never stop to, and the employee, as you rightly say, like will rarely put their hand up and say, eh, excuse me, this is really the wrong job for me. Yeah. Um, because obviously they've got financial commitments and they've got an outer appearance that, mm. you know, that they need to keep up, that they've got this job and it might even be a great job. Yeah. But not for them. But not for them. Yeah. But organizations are not taking a look at that. See, I think that we need to, as a, as a um, world, we need to sort of re-look at how our employees are, or where our employees' passions are, mm. and then try to move them into those kind of positions. Right. Because if you keep somebody in a role, like you say, who's mm. not passionate about it, they will get their job done, but you're not going to, you know, get anywhere you're not going to advance or enhance or thrive as an organization either yeah so when we do our evaluations our annual evaluations of our employees 
you know, why are we not having those conversations? Yes. It's kind of taboo to say, oh, you know, I work in finance, but I actually want to work in, you know, music Marketing or whatever. Yeah, music. <laughs> I want to be something completely different. Yeah. And maybe there isn't a role like that within that organization. Yeah. But maybe there is. Yeah. So there's lots. And I've seen it many times throughout my career. I've seen people who are just not fitting in that kind of role that they're in. Yeah. And I've been, I've been there myself. Yeah. Um, but I haven't, so, cause you look at, oh, you know, I've been doing it now for 10 years, you know, how do I start over and where would I go? And I'd have to take a pay cut. And, and actually somebody once said to me, which has resonated so deeply that people get promoted beyond their 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 perfect position mm. so they get you you're doing exceptionally well in your job let's say yeah so you get promoted and right. then you continue to do well in that promotion and then you get promoted again and eventually you will be, find yourself one promotion beyond your sweet spot right so whatever it was that was your passion in the in the role sooner or later with all the promotions you won't be doing that job anymore. You may yeah. be now supervising others or overseeing others. Right. But you're taking the promotion because obviously you got the bigger corner office now and you got a bigger salary and a bigger title. Right. So why are we promoting people? Why are we paying people for promotions when we should be paying people for their passion? See, if we looked at it's this whole hierarchy of things though, right? right. Isn't it? Because but it doesn't make sense. It, but it's it's like what we have trained ourselves to believe, to say that there's a level, even in the workplace. And right. if I do the same job, even even though I do it exceptionally well, if I do the same job in with the same title for 10 years from a society point of view, from an external point of view, I'm right. not progressing. Right. So I haven't gone from employee to supervisor, to manager, to CEO. Yes. Uh, in 10 years, I've stayed employee, even yeah. though it's a job I love, even though I've been paid more, I'm getting better at it. But where are we, I guess, in some way attached or obsessed with these titles, 100%. even if it takes us away from our passion? Yes. In a big way. Yeah, because you may not be good at managing people. Right. You know, you just may not be somebody who, who is a good manager. You're great at what you do. Let's take any industry, if, whether it's finance or, you know, let's, let's go with entertainment. You may be great at doing something at, at the level that you were employed at. Yeah. And then 10 years later, you're, you're having to manage other people to do it but not do it yourself. Well, I think entertainment is a great example of where it actually happens because mm -hmm. in entertainment, um, we're not going to ask Beyonce to stop managing other singers, right? Right. You know, she is in her passion role mm -hmm. and she's just going to keep doing that. And we're not going to say, oh, she's been singing and dancing now for 20 years. Time to move on, isn't it? Time to get promoted. Maybe now you should be the head of the record label. Right. I mean, some of them do diversify yeah. into different things. That is also their passion. Yeah. They have um, a head for business, so they move in. Yeah. If yeah. somebody, choice, you know, they're though. actors that turn into directors and yeah. producers because they enjoy it and they're good at it and they have a, but they're also following their passion. Of course, being financially secure, it's easier to, uh, or that's also actually a limiting belief. Um, but, um, 
you know, have, having financial security allows you more choice, right? So you have a little bit more freedom to easier float into different things, but it's also not easy. It takes, it takes drive no matter what your situation is. But I think entertainment is a great model to follow. So if we have a, a team and we've got a sales um, uh, executive who's mm-hmm. brilliant at their job, you know, you should never make that person the sales director who's now in charge of other people because that's not their forte. That's but the management you should, position. Exactly. Manage people rather than to actually go out and sell. Right. But you should keep people in their element and you should promote them in title maybe or promote them with salary or promote them with, you know, um, recognition and those type benefits, of things. Other and benefits, benefits. Yeah. But yeah. we should try to get away from this um, idea that a promotion and a change of job responsibilities is something uh, to thrive for because we're actually taking people out of their element. A lot of the time, yes, we're not just talking about uh, those people, but we're talking about people that don't like their job to begin with. Mm. So we're not talking about always just the people that are in their element, but for all the people that don't enjoy their job. I mean, my perspective is this. So there's one element or one side of it, which is... You are in charge of your um, experiences and your emotions and how you or your take on it. So you can basically be anywhere and do anything and still find happiness, right? Still find con- con- contentment and still find, you know, things that even if you think that you're not really enjoying your job, that's also a, a belief system. So yeah. you can change your perception. Um, I use this as an example uh, a lot of the times. So I've worked in lots of different jobs, including, you know, cleaning floors and sitting in the till and waitressing and all different kinds of things. Right. And they haven't necessarily been the most thrilling of course. <laughs> jobs all the time. Yeah. I remember when I worked for an airline catering and I had to sort of put tomatoes on those little trays that we used to get on the airplane. <laughs> But you know, yeah. it, it pays know, the bills. It pays, pays the bills, and, and that's and you what you need at what that it point. Is. Yeah. yeah, I think you need that at that point. I think, I think what you're saying, and I, and I, and I, people need to understand that that when you're getting a job, it needs to serve a purpose in your life. Either it has to fulfill your passion, or if at that time you have other pressing needs, like you know paying rent or having food, you can't sleep on the street. I mean, there are people who do, but generally not majority of the people say, you know what, I'm going to sleep on the streets. I'm going to go hungry. I'm going to starve, and but I'm going to keep trying to be who I want to be because that's my passion. So not everyone can do that. But I think when you take on a job that pays the bills, even that's a purpose at that point, but to be stuck in it is yeah. the problem. I mean, I think, I think, yes, it serves a purpose, but I, what I was trying to say was, was that you can take any job, any situation and you can make light of it. Yeah. Um, depending on how you align your, your mind to what you're doing. Right. So even as a cashier in a supermarket, which a lot of people would just be, you know, find boring and repetitive and absolutely it's repetitive. But from my perspective, every 
customer is a new customer, a new smile, a new pair of eyes, a new engagement, a new, you know, there's... But that's a personality type. There are some is people who are just so good at just, they're just happy people. Yeah, and but I know, think you can train that. You can make, you can shift Okay, we need to talk about that. that. <laughs> we need to talk about that because that is, that is amazing. And I, I want to understand that you're saying we can train our mind. We yes. can train our employees to be happier in the jobs that they have. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk about that. So your mind can be shifted um, as in, in, any, in any situation. You can take some, you know, it's like one of the, the deepest, most profound practices to allow your mind to become more positive, as we were saying, for those quote unquote happy people mm. is gratitude. Right. So by practicing gratitude for what you already have, you're wiring yourself to to shift into a more positive uh, frame of mind. And with enough practice of that, it becomes who you are. Are you seeing more employers trying to do something for their workforce? Because I understand, mm. I mean, individually, obviously, this is more of a you know, how you feel about your life and whether you want to make it happier and whether you want to be a person who's generally more content in the Mm. situation that you're in, you know, rather than complain about it all the time, be miserable all the time, make other people around you miserable all the time. Like you're saying, it's a mindset. Yes. But uh, it is now every individual's decision to change their perspective. But when you go into the workplace, there are organizations that are known for being great with looking after their employees, you know, creating a very, very positive work environment, being more reasonable with with the time the employees need to spend within the the, the office environment so that they can go out, they can, they can, you know, be physically healthy, they can spend more time with their family. So there are certain organizations that just get it, that I'm going to get the most productive employees. I am going to attract the most uh, amazing talent uh, if I create this environment. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, having spoken to some other people that there are certain organizations that are waking up to that fact to say, yes. as an organization, we want happy people. As an organization, we want to attract happy people and we want to help the ones who aren't happy within our organization. We're not just ready to turn a blind eye to say, we know it's a dead end job. We Mm. know it's, you know, it's people are going to not treat our customers great, but you know what, we are going to get customers anyway. So (laughs) customers know that they're not going to be treated great by our cashiers and that's fine. It works. We accept (laughs) it. Unless I work there. (laughs) So that's what I'm saying. But, But there are organizations that are saying now, we don't accept that. Yeah. We want our employees to be happy. We want our customers to be happy. And they are starting to set themselves apart with with that level of customer service. And I guess that level of care for the actual emotional and physical well-being of their employees. Yeah. So how how does that work? Like, have, do you go into organizations and what really do you see these organizations doing for the employees? Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's been a big shift. I sort of refer to it as the um, redefined workplace wellness program. So we used to look at work, workplace wellness, and to some extent still do, um, as a very physical practice with sports, maybe mm-hmm. some healthy food options, 
Um, and that was kind of maybe some yoga and that mm. was kind of the, the program. But I see now that we're shifting more towards, um, you know, I have more and more big companies and senior um, leaders who are coming to me. And when we sit down and do the consultation about what is it that you want to achieve out of this workplace wellness program, they're all talking about, I want people to be happier at work. Right. I want people to feel more connected to what they're doing. I want people to show up and just feel more alive to be here. Right. Because they've started to understand that this is what makes people thrive. Yeah. This is what makes organizations financially successful. Yeah. This is what makes, you know, innovation, drives innovation. And this is the future. You know, we need people to be in their element. Yes. Um, as you were saying earlier, you know, we need people to... To, um, we, we can't achieve that if people are completely disconnected from what they're doing. We need people to thrive within themselves so that what they contribute to our organizations becomes different. Yeah. So we used to look at corporate wellness programs or workplace wellness programs as how can we reduce our um, health insurance costs? You know, how can we um, reduce our claims and our sick leave yes. and those kind of things? And of course, that's super important. We must. That's a huge number. That. I actually read a report uh, on uh, Forbes. Mm. In, there was a report in 2016 that said that the cost of lower productivity due to absenteeism yeah. is $84 billion per annum. Yeah. And only growing. And only growing, yeah. So this is just by people not showing up to work. Yes, you know, and obviously that affects your your insurance rates as a company. You're paying more because you have more sick workers, you're losing um, the productivity because you're not showing up to work. You know, you obviously are not able to run a happy organization and right. you have to recognize that. Yes. But it's still not that prevalent. It's not something that every organization is looking for. They're just these thought leaders. There are only a few organizations that focus on employee satisfaction. It's not a standard yet. Um, it's becoming more and more so, but it also depends on what it is that they're looking at. So when we have all these um, sort of engagement um, surveys and, 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 and things uh, within different organizations, and there are a lot of organizations that have those type of um, feedback systems. But then what do we do about it and what are we actually looking at? So while I'm 100% on board that we need to reduce absenteeism and sick leave, there is a, a more prevalent sort of epidemic within our organizations that we now refer to as presenteeism. Right, yes. And this is all about people who are actually at work when they shouldn't be. Yes. So this is people who are at work when they shouldn't be because they're sick and they need to be resting, not getting other people sick or, you know, spreading their germs, so yeah. to speak. It also includes people who are at work and they're bringing everybody down because yes. they hate their job or because they're unhappy about something or, or another. And they maybe should be taking some time out to reevaluate their own situation. They shouldn't be in the office um, in, at that particular time, but we make it not okay. So this is the danger with focusing too much on absenteeism mm. is that you drive up presenteeism yeah. because you make it not okay to take days off when you're actually ill or when you actually need 
the time to, you know, reflect. Or if you're feeling particularly down one day, that is not a good day to go to work. You're not yeah. going to be contributing in a positive way to your own work or to the people around you. So we need to make it okay for people to, of course, we want people to be healthier yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally in all areas of our lives so that we show up to work or in all of our cities, show up in life yes. in, in a well way. Exactly. But we also need to, if we make that the measuring tool, how many days off have people taken? Mm. We are by default going to drive up presenteeism unless we are actually addressing the underlying causes of um, sick leave. If it's just a health thing and we're getting people to move and be physically active and eat better, yeah, yes, of course we will. People will strengthen their immune systems and you know they will feel um, more energized to come to work for sure. But if we're not addressing the mental, emotional, um, social, financial aspects of of human wellness, mm. and then we're going to be driving presenteeism because people will come to work. They maybe don't have the flu, but they're still not feeling a hundred percent. So we need to look at um, our how we support through our wellness programs in a much more holistic way. Right. Um, so we need to make sure that people are, are are doing well in all areas of their lives and not just physically. Yeah. I'd like to come into something that's obviously always been a controversial topic, which is social media. Right. You know, and, and having so much information available at your fingertips and what it does to people who are stuck in jobs that they don't want to be stuck into. And they're mm. constantly being flooded with, you know, images of, of people on the beach at all odd times because, you, you know, it's just it just comes up and it's it's uh, something that's got to play on your mind to say, oh, my God, I'm stuck in this office there's no light you know I'm doing this dead-end job and there's someone who's on the beach um, working you know being a freelancer and working from there all those entrepreneurs on the beach exactly exactly (laughs) so it's it's like a double-edged sword there's got to be uh, people who are not able to follow their passion and and do things that they want to do and so they're being affected by that negatively but there are also people who might look at that and be motivated by it and say you know what I have something to say. I have a platform now mm. where I can say it. So is there, do you, do you see that when you go into your wellness programs, do you see that there are a lot of people who are stuck and want to get out? Or do you see that generally there are more people who are fairly content? They're not extremely happy, but they're not very unhappy either. What What is the general yeah. feeling that you or the statistics that you see here? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, I don't think that the world is a miserable place. I think that in general, people are, you know, pretty okay. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think there's always ways that you can be better. But I think there are some people who find themselves in roles and jobs and companies that don't resonate with them. And they see those pictures of the the entrepreneur uh, lifestyle that they really want to go after. And I think they should. And I think actually their organizations should encourage them to resign and go and do that. If that's even support them um, to go and and do what it is that they, they, they want to do. But I think by and large, not everybody wants to, to, you know, run their own company and have, because with that comes a lot of other 
stress responsibilities, responsibilities yeah. and yeah. risks. And so it's not for everyone. You know, I don't think that if we're promoting a world where, you know, people should be aligned with their passion, I don't think that the, our current workplaces need to worry about that. I don't think that you know, it's not going to lead to everybody, you know, going to to write a, a book on the beach because it's not everybody's um, absolutely passion. Absolutely. And I think that most people, by and large, are quite content to have um, a regular, stable job and income and security and a company that looks after them. You know, and this in many ways is a huge part of human happiness. Yeah. That stability, that firm ground to stand on. So there are just ways that we can, um, you know, so when you look at that picture of somebody on the beach, you can look at it from different perspectives and that's just your mindset. So you can look at it and go, oh gosh, you know, here I am without my window in this miserable situation. And I, you know, I'm looking forward to my one holiday a year. Or you can look at it and go, you know, like I would do, I would look at it and go, ah, oh, that's, isn't that beautiful? Look at the color of that ocean and take a few deep breaths. And I feel like I've been with them on the beach for a few minutes. Yeah. And now I'm like yeah. back from my holiday, virtual holiday. Yeah. Um, and then, in the end, then, then that's brilliant, you know, taking, it's like a little breathing break to, to have a look at something on social media, which is uh, positive. But I think it also goes back to what we were talking about, unfortunately, before we started recording. <laughs> and then I want to bring that into this conversation was yeah. that it's all about perspective. It yes. is not that that person who's sitting on the beach, uh, you know, working on that novel has an easy life. No, there is struggle. You know, it's taken them a lot to get there, to work that hard, to give themselves the freedom to be in that position, to maybe give up some financial comforts to kind of say, I'm not going to have a roof over my head. I don't know where my next income is going to come from. I don't know when I'm going to be able to get out of this beach and, you know, take my next flight home. And maybe they haven't seen their family for a really long time. <laughs> right. So there is a story yeah. behind every picture. And the thing is that we sometimes only focus on that picture and don't understand the struggles of the person. So we either judge our lives or we judge the lives of others to say, oh, you know what? They don't have to worry about the things that I have to worry about. Right. And that may not be the story at all. They may have to worry about all of the things you have to worry about and more, but they've decided to take that chance. And if you, for you, wanting to be secure in, in a job and, you know, being close to your family and, and, being in where exactly where you are is more important than the dream of traveling because now your mind is telling you that, oh, that's a pretty picture. Mm. Of course, who doesn't want to be on, you know, by on the beach in the middle of the day writing a book? You can also it, get sunburned on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's a fantasy. And I yeah. think there are so many things that ha we have been programmed to believe yes. is better than where we are. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, I, I had a I had a topic and um, about body shaming, and it's this whole mm. perception of a certain body shape, a certain skin color, a certain eye color, hair color that is now become the norm and the standard of beauty. Yeah, and it keeps changing, right? So I think exactly. if we look historically, there is no one definition of beauty because yes. we've seen it in all shapes and sizes over the 
you know, the the, the years in in the, in our past history that was celebrated at different times. Exactly. So sometimes it's voluptuous, sometimes it's very thin, sometimes it's, you know, so it keeps changing. Yeah, but we have now been brainwashed to a certain degree about what beauty is, what size is beautiful. And so there are so many cases of people going to extreme measures to yeah. bring themselves to that ideal of beauty. And I guess with, with, with work and this, this whole idea of making yourself believe that you are stuck in a dead end job. And like you're saying, we can reprogram yeah. our mind to start understanding and appreciating what we have and why we are where we are rather than thinking that we're slaves to our job yes. and we're stuck in it. Yeah. You know, but honestly, there's nothing stopping you from, from going out there. If, if you're saying that there are so many people who, who have these really long hours. And if you, you know, mm. tell them, why are you working such long hours? I never see you. You don't have any time to kind of meet up. And they're like, you don't understand. Yeah. You don't understand what the pressures of my job mm. are. You don't understand this and you don't understand that. But the thing is that you are making a choice to stay in that job because of what the job is giving you beyond the hours that you're spending in the office. Yeah. You know, and that is the it's lifestyle. Com- it becomes an addiction too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it is a choice that you are making sure. to say that, the job gives me a few things that I want and mm-hmm. I can't do without. And therefore, that's what I have to give the job in return. Yes. And I think that perspective, once you realize to say that you are getting something back out of it, mm. it's not just a one-way street where you're only giving so much of yourself into the job, but you're receiving something back as well, changes the way you look at it. Yes, 100%. And this is where our minds or are, are, are our attitude towards things becomes so powerful because you can be in any kind of job, literally any kind of job, and you can either see it as a boring, dull, you know, mind-bogglingly, you know, dead-end negative situation, or you can choose not to see it that way and you can enjoy it and you can look at the things that you do enjoy in your job and focus on that. There are so many powerful tools that are so simple that don't cut. And this is, you know, what I talk a lot about in our, in our corporate wellness programs, because a lot of companies, especially smaller ones, feel, oh, we don't have the budget or we don't have. It doesn't take a lot of money mm. to shift an organization into a more positive uh, place. Yes. And a lot of it has just to do with simple practices, you know, like gratitude, like recognition, um, like connecting to other people or to nature or to, you know, there's just simple things that yeah. you can do to shift your, um, your vibration basically yeah. and like how you see the world. I think the bottom line is that every individual wants to be respected yes. and appreciated. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it can be as simple as that, mm-hmm. you know, as an employer, if you are listening to your employees, they know that if they're in trouble, you know, you will have somebody or you have a company that really cares about them beyond the hours they are putting into work. Yeah. And it isn't just about do your job. I don't really care what happens in your personal life. It's right. not my problem. Yeah. Uh, I guess if you feel appreciated and you feel that this company, you know, cares about me completely, 
Yeah. Everything that I go to, they know that if I come to them with a problem, it won't be because I'm making an excuse that I genuinely have a problem. But if your employer turns around and says, you know what, I don't care if your child is sick, you can't take a day off. Yeah. I don't care if you have a concert to go to, you can't leave work early. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you have a family member in who is in another country and, and they are very sick and, you know, they you want to go see them. That's not my problem. You're not due for your leave. So when you start having that transaction where the employer keeps telling you, I don't care about what happens in your life beyond what happens in the hours in the office, you start to have that same attitude to sure. say, I don't care. Yes. It actually, it's, it's, it's almost like a form of abuse. <laughs> it is. You know, yeah. if you're, if I'm, I was just looking at it from like, imagine if that was, um, and I'm not obviously comparing an employee and a child to a child but if you look at it from a just from a psychological perspective if you have a parent and a child and the child expresses needs and the parents keep saying that they don't care mm. this is abuse right right so I mean I mean obviously I'm not saying employees are children but um, it's just a psychological human relationship. Beings, that's basic human psychology. Yes. Yeah that's how we are wired that if we are not appreciated we yeah. cannot appreciate Yes. What you know, it's it's a two way street. It's a relationship. There are two people in that relationship. It can't be that unbalanced. That you. That's when I believe you start thinking that I only give, give, and give because my company, other than paying my salary, doesn't give anything back to me. They're not and ready to listen. And you basically are. Yeah. Yeah. They won't listen to me. They won't. You know. They won't really help me. Yeah. When when I am in trouble. Yeah. So that that situation then becomes toxic. Yes, absolutely. And it's not, you know, for example, like if a plant in our office isn't doing well, mm -hmm. we don't sort of blame the plant, right? We move the plant, we change, maybe we give it different uh, nutrients or more sun or less, more water, whatever we, we think we need to adjust. Right. But we don't blame the plant. We don't throw the plant and say, oh, this was a rubbish plant that just didn't, yeah. you know, we try to fix it. Yes. And it's the same with humans. You know, we need to, why do we look at our, you know, why would we think that by putting pressure and negativity on our employees, that's going to make them thrive. Obviously not. I was the other, the other day with um, a, uh, a client who were, who was rolling out a new uh, project or an idea within the organization. And the senior leader has given the okay, but in the same notion said to this person, well, we can try it, but I don't think it's going to be successful. Wow. And I was just blown away by it. I thought it's in this person's interest, both financially for the organization and also for their own kind of contribution to what they're doing as a leader, that what the team's members are doing is successful. Right. So why would we negatively program or negatively uh, influence that um, situation yes you know and I think actually there's probably a lot of these things going on on a, on a daily basis throughout organizations everywhere so we need to start looking at how can we make our leaders mm. um, more aware of the psychological emotional physical impact that they have on their teams through their messaging yeah and that's very simple things that can be shifted. Yes. That doesn't, call, that doesn't require, you know, like a big rollout, expensive investment. Yes. It's just about 
you know, how can we, this is something we teach in our financial health class, for example. It's not just about how do you manage your money, but what is your relationship with money? What is your energetic vibration towards money? I think people just need to understand the impact their words can have. Because I've seen a lot of people say a lot of things that are just, like you're saying, outrightly negative. And and it's it's not going to help the cause in any which way. But they chalk it down to being honest. And they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm being very honest with you. I'm telling you exactly what I think. Fine, go ahead and try it. But I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. And, you know, they don't realize the impact of that right. on their employees. Yes. It's, it's a sentence. They've said it. They might forget it. You know, yeah. but the employee will remember and will, will have this unnecessary pressure yes. to, to, to perform knowing that they're expected to fail. Yeah. So that Absolutely. emotional yes. baggage and, and additional emotional pressure is something that can be changed very easily to understand yeah. the power of positive words rather than saying something that you don't even realize you're saying, but it has a major impact on employee morale. Yes. And actually a lot of leaders and managers are also under immense pressure. So they sometimes uh, behave or express themselves in ways which they wouldn't normally, but mm. because they're feeling such immense pressure, they sort of pass it on in the wrong ways uh, yes. to the team. I've certainly been guilty of that myself um, in certain situations in my own career where I've had such immense pressure on me that I haven't been able to manage it well and I haven't been able to sort of step back and focus on, you know, if I want to um, have this type of impact on my team, I really need to change the the you know, the approach. So if we can step back and say, okay, how can we make them choose to follow us? So to sum it all up, tell us two things that we can do as individuals right away in our life Mm. without having to seek help, go anywhere else, but just to kind of put into place to see some kind of positive impact. So I would say start keeping a gratitude journal. Okay. Start writing down things that you're grateful for already mm-hmm. because it sets the vibration that um, brings more of that. It sort of brings you into this positive state yes. when we appreciate. Um, energy attracts energy. 100%. Yeah. So what you put out is what you receive. Absolutely. Right. And then I would also suggest um, to, to think about things that you want to achieve or that you want to, to, to reach to, or that, you know, that you want to bring into your life. Right. And talk to yourself about them as if they've already happened. Yes. So I do this thing where I keep um, a future diary. Okay. So I write things, very specific things, Mm. um, that I imagine that happened today. Yes. And, you know, so, and I have no, there's no ceiling to this. So it's yes. really like shoot for the stars, whatever it is that you want to kind of create. And because I believe that, and there's also been a lot of research behind it that our subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between something that we've created and something that has actually happened. Right. So it helps to sort of set this So you write it attention. as if you've actually... Yes. Spent the day doing what you imagine yes. you want to be doing. Exactly. Fantastic. And like five years from now, you know, yeah. I always yeah. write it in like the five years from now kind of place. I then don't, I don't read it again, actually. And I don't go, you know, sort of forcing things to, to, to happen in that to way. To align to that. No. Yeah. I write it 
I, I sort of put it out there and then I just forget about it and then let the things happen. But um, And does it work? A hundred percent. I mean, it's not like you open the, 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 the diary five years from now, you go, oh, actually, it's exactly happened like this. Yeah. But it certainly will shift um, towards that direction. Absolutely. That's it amazing. Cannot be, it cannot be any other way. So gratitude and goals. Yes. Yeah. And, but goals that are tied with... So you, you you set goals, but you have to attach sort of meaning and emotion yes. to them. You have yes. to f- be there. You have to feel it. You have to want Imagine it. Imagine your ma- best life where you feel exactly. most alive. Yes. And that's that's your purpose and, and your reason for living. Yes. Yeah. And write it down. Yeah. And write it down and it will happen. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking well, to you. And pleasure. I'm looking forward to doing this again because we have so much more to say. Yes, absolutely. Anytime. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so gratitude and goals. This is Kanchan Kulkarni saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon.